struggling for a couple of words too. That's I was looking around. <laughs> Turn with me to John chapter number seven. John chapter number seven. We're going to begin reading there in. Uh, well, go back up to verse number thirty-two, and we'll read down through verse number forty-six. Uh, verse number 30 through 32 through verse number 46. And 46 is kind of what I want us to focus on today, the end of the passage. Uh, we read here about our Lord and, and the struggles here that uh, He endured in the, the suspicion and even the hatred of the Jewish leaders toward Him in this passage. And it says in verse 32, the Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. And said Jesus unto them, yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall, find, shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go, that we shall not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this that he said, Ye shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And this was important here. This was the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles, I believe it is, and, and on yeah, the Feast of the Tabernacles. And on the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles, there was a ceremony called the pouring of water. And the high priest would go down and he'd get water from the brook there and he would pour it out, declaring that from God we have that living water given to them. And so it was likely, it was on the last day of the feast that they would do this, it was likely this very time that our Lord stands up and announces this. The very thing that He's demonstrating by pouring out the water of the one who would come and be that living water, the Lord stands and says, I'm the living water. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, This is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. Some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the Scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David, and now the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man that laid hands on him. They were sent to take him. These officers were sent by the high priest, by the Pharisees, to take him, to bring him under arrest before them. There were those there commissioned for that purpose, but they didn't lay their hands on him. So says, then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said unto him, Why have ye not brought him? And their answer, verse 46, 
The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Never man spake like this man. They, they found themselves without the ability to take the Lord into custody. We see these examples given to us through the Scripture on several occasions. Uh, last week even, we read there from uh, when he was in uh, Nazareth and there at the synagogue and read to them of the Scriptures and declared to them it was fulfilled that day in their hearing. And they took him out on the bluff and was going to throw him off. He passed through their midst and they did not touch him. On the night, the very night that they arrested him, the only reason they were able is because it was his hour and he was willing to go. Because they came to bind him. Upon the betrayal of Judas there, they came to bind him and they said, Art thou Jesus of Nazareth? And his answer, I am. He declared his name to them. And in the declaration of his name, John records for us all of those that had come to arrest him fell over backwards and hit the ground. Simply at the pronouncement of his name. You imagine those guys standing up then and binding him. After he's just blown them over by stating his name. They had no power over him. They had no power over him. They, they could not touch him. And their answer, they are bewildered just as much as the Pharisees and the scribes were. They were just as bewildered there as they come to arrest him. Never a man spoke like this man. But you don't understand. We ain't never heard anybody like him. To the world, Jesus was a unique person. He was a good teacher, a philosopher, an extraordinary man. Even those witnessing him, never man spake like this man. Some said there, even at this event, he's the prophet, speaking of Elijah's return. The one that was to come before Messiah's return. And it must be him, must be the prophet then. Others said, no, no, it's the Christ, it's the Messiah, is the one we've been looking for. To the world, he's unique. To the world, he's extraordinary. But we know Him to be more than that. More than simply something extraordinary. More than being unique. In fact, to judge Jesus by other men is going from the wrong perspective. We're to judge other men by Christ. Because there's none. There's none like Jesus. Never a man spake like this man. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. 
Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. We thank you, Father, for your great grace. We thank you, Father, for this another day that we could come into your house. We're so thankful, Father, for each soul that's represented here today. We just pray that as we've met together, you would help us this day to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we pray that you would forgive us of our many sins, our many shortcomings, Father. How often, Father, we come short of your glory. Ever draw us closer to you. Ever help us, Father, to be found faithful servants of thy name. Help us, Father, that we would live lives of obedience before you as we strive to serve you, as we strive to live for you, that we would be an example of Christ to those around us, that our mouths upon our lips, Father, would be your name at all times, that we would be declaring your gospel to all that we come in contact with. Father, go with us as we look to your word now. Father, open it before us. Give us understanding of these things as we marvel in the wonder of Christ Jesus our Lord. And who He is and what He's accomplished for us and what He will finish in us, Father. We pray that You'd help us to glorify You this day. Go with us now. Father, save those that are lost and undone without You, especially those of our friends, our family, those around us. Father, we desire to see Your grace poured out. And we know it comes by Your hand. And so we just pray, Father, that You'd redeem them unto Yourself. Make known unto them Your salvation. And Father, for those many that are sick and afflicted, that are not able to be with us even this day, we pray that You'd be with each one of them and give them what they have need of this day. Go with us now as we look to Your Word. Help me to proclaim it before your people this day. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Jesus is, Jesus is more, more than we can even fully fathom when we begin to consider Him. We're going to look at some, some of the uniqueness of Christ today. That's what I want us to focus on. He was not, as they declared there in verse number 46, and every man spake like this. He, there was not any other man ever like him. Not like any other. He was not like any other in his birth. He was not like any other in his life. He was not like any other in his death. And he was not like any other in his resurrection. Notice with me concerning his birth. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. Isaiah gives us the prophecy here concerning the coming of the Lord and what they were to look for when He came. And Isaiah writes there, verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel, or God with us. A virgin birth is what He would have. Be born, as we uh, read even in Sunday school this morning in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, the first prophecy of the Lord's coming that's given to us in the Scripture there declared that He would be coming of the seed of woman. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. That's unique. There's never been another that had been born of a virgin. Born in not only of a virgin as the Scriptures declared, but He was born the right time. He was born in the right place and to the right family. And that took some doing. That took some doing on God's part. Work all of that out, you see. 
Well, I shouldn't. I, I hate to even make that kind of statement. It'll, it'll, he created all things simply by speaking it. But we see what He worked and what He accomplished to bring Mary and Joseph together, to bring them down into Bethlehem at the time of the Lord's birth so He would be born exactly where the Scriptures declared from Old Testament times where the Savior would be born. And how they would get down it. Listen, Mary and Joseph didn't want to be in Bethlehem at the time they were in Bethlehem. But they were right where they needed to be. They were there because they were forced to by the government to go register and pay their taxes there. And so they were forced down at an, at an inopportune time. When Mary was, was at full pregnancy, she was ready to give birth. And here she is, she's making that journey, riding along or walking along to get down to Bethlehem. This is exactly where the Lord wanted them. They were in the right place, exactly the right time. I mean, it was, it was the day of the Savior's birth when it took place. It was, it was given as a sign. Those wise men that, that would come later, they, they saw it in the heavens. They, they saw the, the alignment of the stars as it was there in their day. And they came to, to Herod there in Jerusalem and said, Hey, where's the king born? What are you talking about? I'm the king. No, 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 no. We saw it. We saw it in the heavens. We saw the star. We know he's born. The king who was promised, he's born. He's alive. We come to worship him. They saw it even. Right time. Right place. Right family. Had to come from the seed of David. Both of them, Mary and Joseph, come forth out of the seed of David, out of the, out of the family line of David. He's born in the city of David, there in Bethlehem, Ephratah. Luke chapter 2, verse number 8. When it comes to the birth and the life and ministry of our Lord, God didn't just leave it to the the physical signs for man to see. He made announcements about it. Luke chapter 2 verse number 8. It says, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. He was announced of angels. He's come. He's come. I mean, it was a big deal. January 8, 1973, when I was born at Somerset Hospital. It was a big deal. There were no angels announcing they were in there. It was only a big deal to my mommy and my daddy and a few of my kinfolk, a few of them. It snowed a foot of snow that night that I was born, so they was more concerned about keeping warm than me being in the hospital. There wasn't no announcement of angels. Oh, when our Lord came. When our Lord came, He was announced. He was announced. He was not like any other in His birth. He was not like any other in His life. He healed the blind, the dumb, and the lame. He even raised the dead. He would dare go and touch the leper and make him whole. He would declare salvation to sinners. Hope to the condemned. He was not like any other man in his life. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter number 3, verse 16 and verse 17. This is after our Lord's baptism. There by John in Jordan, He has officially begun His ministry here at this point. And after John baptized Him, it says there in verse 16, Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon Him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father announces... The Father announces, this is my Son. Who else has He done that for? He's not like any other man. He's not like any other man. Not in life. Not in His death. Isaiah chapter 53. We have this wonderful prophecy here. Some have called it the Gospel in the Old Testament. And it is indeed a declaration of the Gospel of Christ Jesus here in this prophecy of Isaiah. And he describes here in chapter 53 all that the Lord would endure at the hands of His Father to give that payment for our sin in our place. And he says here in verse 7, 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. Verse 9, it says, He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He was absolutely innocent. He was not only innocent, he was righteous. Absolutely righteous. And at the accusations of unrighteousness, at the accusations of contempt for him, he offered no defense. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. He was absolutely righteous. But he would not offer a defense because he came to do what he came to do. They had no power over him. Jesus would declare that to them. They had no power over him. But he had come because it was his hour. It's what his very purpose was to live as no other man. That he would die as no other man. Death had no power over him. Because death comes because of sin. The wages of sin is death. The Scriptures declare that to us. Death had no power over Christ Jesus. They couldn't take His life from Him. He gave it, you see. He willingly laid it down. Into Thy hands I commend My Spirit, He said. And He gave up the ghost. To His Father there. He willingly laid down His life, taking upon Himself our sins, there bearing them in our stead on the cross of Calvary, and there taking upon Himself the punishment for our sins as He hung those three hours of darkness, as His Father's wrath was poured out on Him there. He suffered the penalty of our sin so that that penalty is not any longer laid upon this, on His people. Our Lord took it in our place. And as 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, He became sin for us and gave to us His right. There's no other that can do that for us. There's no other that can do that for us. You can't do it for yourself. It must come by Christ Jesus. He died in our stead. The innocent blood for the guilty. The righteous blood for the sinful. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter number 23 and verse number 34. His accusers couldn't accuse him with evidence. Their stories didn't match up. The judge that stood before them said, He's innocent. I don't find anything wrong with him. 
And yet they would cry out all the more, crucify him. Crucify him. Verse 34, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He didn't die like any other man. He died. He died suffering for my sins, for your sins, in your place, that you might have his righteousness imparted to you. He didn't die like any other man. And he was not like any other man in resurrection. There were others that rose from the grave. Jesus was the cause of it. But you know, those that rose from the grave, those that he brought back from the dead, they would all die again. Jairus' daughter, she would die again. Lazarus, there in John chapter 11. He came out bound in grave clothes. They turned him loose. Lazarus would die again. They came out of their graves. They come up from death. Because... The Lord Jesus brought them back. He's different. He laid in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb for three days and three nights. And then under his own power, rose up and came out of that grave. They didn't roll the stone out of the way so he could get out. They rolled the stone out of the way and he was already gone. He came forth out of that grave under his own power. He took his life upon himself again and came forth. And he never returned to the grave again. My Savior, Jesus Christ, He yet lives. He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. There's none other like Him. He lives. And He lived with the witness and testimony of many that saw Him alive that day. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Paul tells us there in verse number 4. He declared, first of all, in those first four verses there, of the gospel of Christ Jesus our Lord, that was what He had delivered to them, He said. He says, verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. He was risen just like He said He would do. Just like it was prophesied He would do. He came forth from the grave. 
He was seen of Cephas, Peter there. Then of the twelve. After that, He was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain of this present, and some are falling asleep. Paul said He was witnessed in His resurrection. And you can go and ask them now, Paul said. Those that saw Him. Above 500 brethren at one time saw Him risen from the grave. He said the greater part of them still alive. Go ask them. Go seek them out. Ask them what they saw. They'll give you the same story. Christ Jesus came forth from the grave. He's not like any other in His resurrection. He is the divider of time. Our, our world is, is doing its best, and the secular nature of our society is doing its best to rid any vestige of Christ from our society. And yet still on all of our legal documents, uh, even today, even in the wickedness of our Congress, they still sign, in the year of our Lord. <laughs> They've not gotten away from it just yet. They've changed B.C. before Christ and A.D. Anno Domino. They've changed that now to B.C.E. and C.E. before the common era and the common era. They tried to get rid of his name out of the the telling of time. But guess what? It still divides on him. (laughs) They they changed the name. They call it something different. But he's still the divider of time. It still divides on Him, you see. There's none like Him. None other like Him. He is unique in every way. Matthew 27 and verse number 22. Matthew 27 and verse number 22. Pilate asked this question at our Lord's crucifixion. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Christ? They all answered, let him be crucified. What's your answer? What's your answer? The uniqueness of our Lord, the uniqueness of Christ Jesus, is the reality that every single one of you must deal with Christ. You have, you, have to, you have to look at Him. You have to see what He has declared. No other person in all of history requires this. We don't have to do that with any other. With any other, we can write them off. It ain't no problem. The remarkable, the, the astounding, the, the supernatural reality of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is every single person that has ever lived has had to do something with Christ Jesus our Lord. Pilate says, what should I do with Jesus who is called to Christ? What will you do with Jesus who is called to Christ? 
You have to make that determination. You have to answer that question. Is He who He said He is? Is He who the Scriptures declare Him to be? If He is, you better believe Him. If He is, you better follow Him. If He is, you better obey Him. If He is, you better serve Him. If He is, you better love Him. What are you going to do with Jesus who is called the Christ? I tell you, He is who He said He is. He is who He said He is. He has done what He says He's done. And He will do what He says He will do. What are you going to do with Jesus who is called the Christ? He's not like any other. Not like any other. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my God. He died in my place. Took my sins upon Himself. Bore the payment of those sins in my stead. Suffered that judgment for me to give me His righteousness. To give me life. And it's not some abstract life, some abstract gift that He gives. He gave me Himself. He is the life. Do you have Christ Jesus today? What have you done with Jesus who is called Christ? Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. He, He's not like any other. He is the living God. The living God. Believe on Him this day. It's all set. Brother Gordon, you bring us a song.